You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable and fixed blade knives and game processing kits. Now, in my bag this year, I had the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit. It comes in a very compact, handy carrying case, and one handle has the replaceable blade knife and the gutting blade. The other handle has the saw that comes with it. So, I use the saw to split the pelvis, and I use the gut hook to open up the cavity and the blade to start cutting all the stuff out, right? So uh, it makes cleaning a deer very simple, very easy, and the the knife is sharp. And uh, if you've ever had to gut a deer with a dull knife, we all know how much that sucks. So um, take a look at the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit and uh, head on over to OutdoorEdge.com and enter the discount code NATION30. That's NATION30 for 30% savings on your purchase. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today is all about shed hunting. This is a real quick BS session, basically reminding you guys to get outside right now uh, and and go look for sheds because if you're going to go find sheds, the time to do it is right now. So uh, I'm talking with Drake Lamb today. He is an avid shed hunter and... uh, he just loves to shed hunt. I think in this episode, he mentioned that he's already found 50 sheds this year. That blows me away. That blows my best year out of the water by far. I think the most sheds I've ever found in a single year, and that's a ton of walking, is like 23 or 24, I think, which tells me I need to step my game up. I need to get some more permission on some farms, uh, basically just to shed hunt uh, surrounding the farms that I I do have permission to hunt. Because like we talk about in this uh, episode, a shed can tell you a lot about deer movement in general. And I think if you play your cards right and you're really good at putting the pieces of the puzzle together, um, that shed hunting and locating a specific shed can give you insight into hunting the 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 next upcoming season so we it's a it's a really good opportunity to get outside stretch the legs uh, take the family outside take some young kids outside and learn your property better so if if uh, you play your cards right you can you can scout and find sheds and uh, it just makes you a better deer hunter period so That's what the topic of conversation is today. But before we get into this episode, we're going to do a real quick commercial from Quiet Cat. 
Have you ever considered using an electric bike to get deeper into the backcountry? Quiet Cat is the leader in off-road electric mountain bikes and will guarantee greater accessibility to areas that are impossible or extremely difficult to access. Compatible with an assortment of accessories, Quiet Cat is here to outfit your next adventure. Haul more gear in and haul your game out with Quiet Cat. For more information, visit quietcat.com. All right, from the field, <laughs> we're talking with Drake Lamb today. Drake, how we doing, man? Not too bad. How are you? How's it going today? I'm doing pretty good, man. Uh, the sun is out, the snow is melting, and uh, I haven't been out. I've I shouldn't say that. I, I've been out shed hunting one time, uh, 1.5 times. One, I went to go take a trail camera down, and uh, then I walked a bedding area, no sheds. And then the second time was uh, a full multiple hour shed hunt. Uh, with no luck, but uh, this, there was a ton of snow on the ground when I went, and the snow here in Iowa is starting to melt, and uh, that is what we're going to be talking about uh, today. It sounds to me like you've already been out and you've had some success, but before we get into uh, uh, the old shed hunting talk, why don't we just find out a little bit more about you? Where do you live? What do you do for a living? So I live in Albia, southern Iowa right now, southeast uh, central Iowa, and I work for a company called 41 North Media, and underneath that, um, yep. we've got Midwest Whitetail that I'm um, a lot of big part of in the fall, and then in the spring, I also produce uh, Real Tree Spring Thunder, so I travel on a turkey hunt, so oh, nice. my shed days are kind of numbered here, um, they're dwindling down, I, I take off and go south on the tent, so yeah. I try to get get out as early as I can, you know, according to the cameras and stuff, you know, when the deer are dropping, but yeah, so my days are kind of dwindling down here. <laughs> right, so uh, being part of a, a media company like that, where you're I take it you're behind the camera or doing editing for most of the year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So does that actually cut in big time to your actual hunting time? Um, not really. I mean, um, I started out as an intern for Midwest Whitetail and then I've just kind of worked my way up slowly throughout the years. And now, um, you know, we get an intern class in every year. And so, um, each fall I'll get my, you know, my, I guess per se my own intern to kind of train up and teach how to edit and run the camera and stuff. So, so really I can like kind of dictate my fall, you know, around my hunting schedule. Um, cause that comes first, you know, content is king in my world. So yeah. as many times as we can get out, you know, we try to pump out video blogs on the daily channel as much as we can. And so, I mean, honestly, it probably helps hunting time rather than hurt it. Well, I wish I had an assistant or an intern that I could just be like, <laughs> yeah. oh, listen, I'm going hunting tonight. You're going to do my job now. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it, it's definitely nice to do that. And then, you know, in the spring, I, I film a lot for, for the turkey show that we do. But I'm, you know, we're, they let me hunt quite a bit, too. So it's a it's a win-win situation. Any day I can be out in the woods, man, it's, it's definitely worth it, so. How old have you been? How old are you? How long have you been doing this? I'm 28. I think I've been doing it for six years now. Six years. Okay. Six or seven years now. Yep. Gotcha. Man, that's awesome. I, uh, you know, there's a lot of people trying to do what you do, right? I mean, and hence the, mm-hmm. the, the interns that you get every year, you know, it, I have yep. a feeling that's like a revolving door every year. You just get a new group of interns in and it, there's no, sh- no shortage of people wanting to get into the, the hunting industry per se. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, we, we just kind of went through our intern process here a couple of weeks ago and got everybody figured out for the spring and for the fall. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like you said, a revolving door, but it's a, definitely an awesome opportunity for somebody to get their foot in the door. Um, you know, just, just like I did. So, yeah. Um, that's cool, man. Just out of curiosity, how did you, how did you go about getting into the internship? I mean, were you doing things before did, were you behind a camera? Were you doing editing before you became an intern or was this something you learned? Yeah, I really, I went to school for um, animal ecology up at Iowa State, so I kind of, you know, had a little bit of a background in, like, management, things like that, but as far as video and production, I had done nothing until I started coming down um, before the internship, and that's back in the day um, when Aaron Warburton and Zach Farrenball were part of Midwest Whitetail. Um, They kind of brought me in, and I'd kind of just been bugging Warb for the past, you know, three years up until the internship year saying that I wanted to come down and do it, blah, blah, blah. And I just kind of stayed on it. And he's like, well, you know, get a hold of us when you graduate. So I finally graduated. And I think Zach called me one day and it was like February, probably four or five, six years ago now. And uh, he's like, Hey man, you want to come down and, you know, film some blogs and go scout on some public land? I was like, heck yeah. So that's <laughs> pretty much where I learned everything. I started coming down on the weekends, you know, when I could outside of school and just filming and learning how to edit and just kind of learning the style and stuff. So that's pretty much like where I, where I started. But yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the interns now that we get, um, you know, are, are doing their own YouTube channel or have, you know, a, a higher level experience, you know, than what I had when I started. But yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's got, it's got you where you're at today and that's a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. Well, let's, uh, let's get into the topic at hand today and that is shed hunting because um is it is this something that you try to do a lot of every single year oh man i'm anytime i can get out i'm i'm shed hunting i yeah. love it especially when, once i know the deer have dropped you know yeah it i mean it drives me insane knowing there's anglers out there and i haven't found them <laughs> <laughs> many miles i can get on i'm putting them on right i tell you what man when before kids before you know having to do the the whole serious work thing i was a shed hunting fool i mean 10 years ago 15 years ago uh maybe not even 15 but yeah about 10 yeah about 15 years ago i can't well i'm getting old but uh, i used to just walk and walk and walk it's like and then get off work and walk and walk and just Mm -hmm. look for sheds uh, five six days a week this time of year and uh, you know now i got some more responsibilities and and things like that but on a given year roughly how many sheds do you think you find i'd probably say you know on a good good regular year i'd probably say i'm up into like 60 or 70 total i mean like i said i've got farms that i you know that are all permission farms. I don't own any land. I don't lease any land. So a lot of my stuff is, um, you know, just little creeks and stuff like that. Nothing real big, but I just, um, actually this fall just got a, um, permission on to kind of help and manage this really good farm in Southwest Iowa. And so that's, that's kind of where I've been finding most of my sheds here. Um, this year, I haven't really touched on anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. Like I say, I've only gotten until the 10th. So, Every day that I can get out from now until then, I'll be out. <laughs> yeah. When uh, when do you typically find? Uh, is there is there a specific date or is there a cluster of dates that you go out and you you seem to find more sheds or, or fresher sheds or is there a let's say you know we we, we talk about this this uh, date when it comes to the rut you know like if you could only uh, hunt one week in the rut what would it be so if you could only hunt 
one shed hunt one week out of the year, what week would that be? I would probably say it would be this week because normally the snow's melted off yeah. and, you know, most of the deer have shed, but I like to run trail cameras. You know, they're just important to me after season as they are before season just because I'm a shed freak, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it seemed like this year, at least on that form, most of those deer dropped their antlers um, right around the 15th of February. And, we, you know, we had that big um, cold spill for a couple of weeks that really stressed those deer out. So we were kind of expecting that. Um, you know, and then I, you know, so that's pretty much what was our sign to, to go find those antlers, at least on that farm in particular. Yeah. So do you, do you see any trends, uh, like when deer drop compared to like an average year? Does, do you feel that weather plays a huge part in it? Do you think, uh, lack of food or ice or warm temperatures versus, uh, cold temperatures plays, uh, kind of a role in when deer are shedding their antlers i yeah i definitely think that's that definitely plays a factor i mean the testosterone levels um you know you hear everybody talk about but i think weather and and food availability around that time of the year is is definitely key um and i think you know if they're stressed out more obviously i think that takes down on their testosterone levels and you know that therefore drops their antlers maybe a little bit early um you know and then you hear guys talk about you know, bucks that got injured during the rut or whatever. And I've definitely seen that over the past couple of years with deer that, um, you know, that I saw injured or had, had gotten shot and made it through, you know, they, they shed back in January, it seemed like. So I think there's a ton of variables that go into it, but yeah, I would definitely say weather and food availability are, you know, one and two along those lines. Gotcha. So what about, um, like when do you typically start right as the season's over or do you give it some time uh i i try to i give it some time you know that's that's the thing right after january 10th where you know boom we're clicking in here already thinking about sheds because you can't hunt but i mean that's the roughest probably the roughest month of the year for me is january 10th through about the middle of february because you can't really do anything and you hate to go in there and bust all your deer out yeah you know but What uh, what's the earliest you've ever found a shed a, a shed from the current year? Hmm. So actually, a couple of years ago on Winky's farm, um, we had watched this buck we called the Bladed Ten, and he he came in as a three year old, and he was just beat up, and it was like probably fifteenth of November, and just a really really big three year old, and so. Uh, we, we didn't really think he was going to make it. I filmed him that night in the blind and then we just didn't figure he would make it Had a big scar right on his neck and just pus and just nasty could barely get along. And so, um, we ran a couple of trail cameras and I ended up finding that shed later, later on in the year, he shed one side really early. And I think it was in December. We figured it was in between December 10th and December 20th. Um, cause we saw him on the 20th, um, with just one antler. So, um, you know, I think his health had a had a really big factor on when he dropped those antlers. And I, I, I mean, I ended up picking that antler up about, probably about this time a couple of years ago when we did find it. But, you know, we knew that that antler had been laying out there for, for a, mo- a good month and a half. So, yeah, um, that's uh, that's unique to me, how and when deer drop their antlers. Right. You know, obviously an injury could play a role in that. But I was um, I went to help a buddy in late December, I mean, right after the second shotgun season got over in Iowa, drag a doe out. And as we curve around this fence post, you know, we're staying in the timber. It's like an inside corner. Uh, and we're coming around this fence post and there lays two sheds 
a, a mat a match set to like a 140 class buck just laying right there and mm. uh, i thought that was uh pretty interesting and then man it was january 7th uh and i'm looking at the shed now it's hanging on my wall the biggest shed i ever found i was walking to go take down a, a trail camera and i was cresting this ridge and i stepped on something i looked down and i'm like man that's a morel mushroom it's a you know it's like this is just a, a real quick thought right I look down, mm-hmm. I step on it, something moves in the, in the dirt or in the, in the leaves. And I thought, I thought the brow tine was a morel mushroom. I'm like, man, that's early for a morel mushroom. But then I look down, I'm like, holy shit. That is, Whoa, that's that's, awesome. It's the, <laughs> like this, uh, like 75, 76 inch side. And uh, I was like, oh, I had, a, I, I got crazy. It was, and I have it written on the antler there, January 7th. So, uh, that was, that was something really cool to me that that was an accident. I wasn't even looking for it and I, I happened mm-hmm. to stumble, you know, stumble upon it. But that's awesome. when, when you go out and start looking, right, right. Obviously this is prime time right now and the snow is melting, you know, every day this, and this week is supposed to be really good. Right. So every, yeah. every single day snows melting. Are there places that you focus on or do you just cover ground every inch of it i would say like it depends like obviously right now i would i'm going to cover everything but like going back to the snow thing like you know a lot of guys may may think that the snow kind of like hurts you but like in a sense like i look at it as the other way like right. you know like where these dr deer are right now that's where you're going to find your sheds you know in february if they're dropping so like I took that into a big consideration and, you know, I find a lot of sheds obviously on south facing slopes and stuff, but like just in between those areas where they're walking and stuff, you know, going to and from bedding to food. Um, I found a lot of, a lot of sheds on that one farm, um, you know, not, not necessarily on south facing slopes, but just around food that time of the year. Um, and so I feel like the snow definitely helps out a little bit because then, you know, right where they are, where their trails are, where their beds are, you know, you can see each individual bed to whereas, you know, when the snow melts off, everything looks good to find a shed, you know, like it just right. looks sheddy. But like, you know, I just wonder how much time you actually waste, like looking through stuff that looks good, but maybe the deer just, you know, aren't there. Yeah. You know, and it looks good just because there's no snow on it. So, yeah. you know, obviously in between food and bedding is where I found most of the majority of my sheds, honestly, this year. And especially, you know because of that cold front that we had those deer were, i mean they were pounding the food that we left yeah. like crazy here the last you know two weeks prior to this little warm snap we got but right so um between between obviously uh a, a deer can drop a shed antler any place along that bed to food pattern that they're in right now right um mm-hmm. you know it could be jumping a fence it could be jumping a little crick or just hell it's time for it to fall off and it, it falls off is there a place that over the years you've found more like have you found more sheds on food sources or more sheds in bedding areas i'd probably say more more sheds in bedding areas um you know on these little small properties I may not necessarily have the best food in the area, but I have some of the best bedding in the area. So I think that goes a long ways. Um, you know, and, the, and some of these small properties that I hunt, you know, I don't leave any food or anything like that. So, you know, the deer may not even be feeding on my property necessarily, but I, you know, I have a really good idea where they're bedding if I have a good bedding area on that farm. So I would say the majority of my, the, the sheds that I find are, are in, are in bedding areas. And I think that, 
probably gives you a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more information, I think, as to where, you know, that deer actually is rather than just, yeah, you know, where he's feeding. But like, I would rather have the information of where he's bedding rather than where he's feeding because you can, you can narrow down the feeding pattern pretty, pretty easily compared to where exactly he's laying, you know, each and every day. Right. Yeah. And and transitioning that information into, uh, you know, usable information for, for the, the rut or for hunting is probably better, even though that, you know, their home, their home ranges may switch at some point throughout the year, depending on food sources and, and where the does are bedding and, and, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, have you found any trends like uh, t- kind of taking a backward step? I'll, I'll throw in my two cents over the years, you know, I'm looking at, and I don't know, can you pick a shed out of a pile and, t- and tell me where you found it and what year it was without just by looking at it? Uh, I don't know that I can tell you the year, but I can, I can almost tell you where I found it. Yeah. The majority, I would say 85% of my shed. I don't know why I can remember that. And I can't remember what I had for lunch two hours ago. <laughs> I, can, I can look at a pile and be like, yep, that shed was from this farm. You know, yep. that was that deer. I found it. You know, I don't know why I can remember that, but I can't. <laughs> right. I probably can't tell you the year, uh, hence why I write the year that I found it on yep. the antler. But uh, yep. I could probably, I'm looking at my. I have a, a wall of sheds that if they're big enough, they make this bob wire that I drilled into my wall and I hang all my antlers mm-hmm. on it and I could pick one out and I could tell you exactly where it was probably within six feet where I, where yep. I found that antler. So <laughs> I don't know. That's uh, I guess just a, another nutty thing that we, uh, we deer hunters do throughout a year. Right. Yeah, for sure. If it's, if it's big enough, it sticks in your mind. There's no doubt. Right. I, mean, I got, you know, I, when I'm out there walking, there's no shed left behind, you know, I might give it to buddies and let their dogs chew on them or whatever. But if it's a big three-year-old or plus deer, you know, it, it definitely etches in your memory. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. See, I have, I have three different piles, uh, in my house, or I guess I would say collections. I have the, what makes the wall, right? If it's big enough, if it's big enough, it, it gets hung up. Uh, if it's really big it or it's significant, it gets its own little display. Um, if it's if it's the second tier, it's in a pile in my house, right? And then the third tier yeah. is typically if it's chewed up or if it is uh, um, you know broken or, or fairly small, I throw it in the flower uh, garden and or on the side oh, yeah. on the side of the house is you know some I call it decoration my my wife calls it an eyesore, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, so when you're finding these sheds, you know, I, I personally think that a shed can tell you a lot, right. Of where, oh, sure. where, where it's found in relationship to how deer move through terrain and all this stuff. Have you, have you, uh, found any, uh, correlation in between, uh, you know, from a deer shed that may have helped you get into position or learn about how deer move or maybe even a specific buck, how they move through terrain? I would say I found a buck last year, a deer that I was actually chasing. Um, really nice, really nice, really nice deer. Anyway, he got hit um, with an arrow back in November and kind of just disappeared off camera. I, and I kind of wrote him off, thought he was dead, whatever. So we went out. I think it was like 50 degrees last year, like January 
I don't know, 12th or something. And just were like, well, I'm just going to go body search. Well, ended up finding one of the sides to that deer um, just on a, on a fence line. And there was probably like maybe four or five rows, maybe 15 yards long of standing beans that the farmer just couldn't get. And so it was cool to find that antler and it was laying right there. Hadn't been touched, chewed on anything just right by those standing beans. And I, you know, I, I wrote that deer off. I had trail, I mean, I probably had six or seven trail cameras on this, on that property, ran it all late season, everything and never got him. Um, you know, so like, I think, you know, those deer, some of those deer slipped through the cracks, but as far as like a correlation between to where he was, you know, finding that shed, I filmed him this summer within probably 300 yards of where I found the shed last year. Um, and I, you know, have the whole, compilation of trail camera pictures with him this this fall i didn't catch up to him but he's you know he's still alive so um you know i think i think that says a lot i guess it depends on what farm you're at and what you know what kind of area you're on but like you said a shed can tell you way more than what you think by just picking one up you know yeah i'll I'll say this that i uh i was in in 2018 uh, i was having trouble locating this buck Right. So in the spring, I found his antler. And then the last picture I had of him was like late September. And he was, well, it was mid September, actually. He was still in full velvet. And he was like this beautiful five year old buck, uh, nine pointer to this day, uh, probably the biggest deer that I've ever killed. And uh, I'm, I'm having trouble locating him. So mm-hmm. one day, I kind of said to myself, all right, I gotta, I gotta do something different here. So I I pulled up a map and I clicked on the last trail camera picture that I had of him from the September and where I found his shed and I drew a straight line. And then I looked at all the terrain features in between that. And then there was one day where I had the perfect win, uh, after I, you know, drew that line on a map. And I was, I put myself right in it. It was damn near right in the middle of where the, the trail camera was and where I found the shed in this terrain feature. And wouldn't, you know, he showed up that night and I shot him and, uh, it was, it was, I got, kind of got lucky, but it's, I used it as a, I used it as a reference point basically. Right. And, um, I know we talked a little bit about all of the places that you've, you found, antlers in the past i tell you i find a majority of my antlers in buffer strips or the um the grass that they plant in the fields to prevent erosion you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that that's where i'm finding a majority of these uh uh you know a majority of the of my antlers anyway so my next Mm -hmm. my next question to you is um when it comes to deer movement right how do you, I mean, based off of, and maybe maybe you can't calculate this, maybe you can, but based off of the where you're finding these antlers, does it help you uh, figure out how deer are moving uh, through terrain? I think for sure. I mean, I think, I don't think you can narrow it down to how exactly they're moving through, but I mean, obviously, if you're picking up sheds, they're using one terrain feature or the other to get to and from you know bedding to food um and we you know i found a lot of sheds like like you were saying in those little buffer strips you know that they 
they'd stick tight to a little field edge or if it's along a creek or whatever, you know, whatever that terrain feature is. But I, I think there's something definitely to be said about where you find your sheds, you know, compared to how you can, you know, track that back to deer movement through a certain terrain feature for sure. Yeah. Um, and then do you think like just elaborating on that, um, do you think you can ever put yourself in a position, uh, or like it, it has improved or it has led to you changing a, uh, a tree stand location based off of, uh, where you've found sheds in the past? I think for sure. I mean, I, I tend to put more emphasis on, you know, if I pick up a shed here, I tend to think more late season hunting and I don't know why, but that just, you know, maybe that deer's there that time of the year for a certain reason. Um, you know, it, it's tougher for me to find, to pick up a shed and think, okay, now how, how can I backtrack this to November? You know, when I think I can kill him, the, you know, I have the greatest chance of killing him. I tend to think more like, where was this deer late season and how could I get on him, you know, late season based yeah. on this antler being here? I think more is more kind of where I'm at, but yeah. like you said, I mean, it panned out in your situation. I think maybe that's a different route I need to be thinking about when I'm picking up these sheds is where, where I, where could I kill him during bow season, you know, yeah. versus late season. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's never something I never really thought about. Well, of course, I mean, I think your points probably, huh. I'll say that I would probably agree with more your strategy than my strategy, because mm-hmm. when you, when you think of late season, right, you're, these deer are shifting into their, their, their late season timeframes more than likely where they're going to drop the sheds. It just makes more sense to try to catch them in a specific area late season, as opposed to the rut when it's straight chaos in you know, exactly. in the timber. So, you know, I, and I'll be honest that kind of what you just said gave me a little, ah, ah, he makes, you know, mm-hmm. like he make it makes a good point because I think so many hunters are overwhelmed with spending time in the woods, obviously, uh, cause it's literally the best time of year to deer hunt, uh, th- through the rut and through that late October, uh, November, even early December timeframe that we forget mm-hmm. that there's almost a, another month full, you know, worth of hunting after mid December. So, yeah. So yeah, that makes a, uh, especially if the food source is there, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. I mean, that, I, I'm always getting that, getting that late muzzleloader tag. I love hunting in the snow. I love hunting when it's cold. So I'm, you know, I put a lot of emphasis on where those deer are late season you know, as opposed to more bow season, you know, related movement, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see here. Uh, when it, any advice, let's say a guy goes out there and he's just like, God, I, you know, some people say, Hey man, I suck at, at, at one thing or another. Like I suck at finding sheds. Well, Mm -hmm. I don't know if people necessarily suck at finding sheds, uh, because sheds don't move right? They just, yeah. once they're off, they're, they're not <laughs> going to be there. Right. <laughs> any, any type of advice that you would want to share with someone that might improve the odds of, you know, finding more antlers. Maybe I'm just a deer nut, but th- like I said, that month in between January 10th and the middle of February, I'm out almost every night, like just scouting just because it drives me nuts knowing, you know, not knowing what's going on. So I, I do a lot of scouting, you know, after season, let alone, you know, first part, second week of February, 
just so I know, because like sometimes those deer shift a little bit, you know, if they wear out a food source that they've been pounding all January, you know, they may, they may move it a little bit, um, you know, and you, you may find some more antlers to where they move. So I think scouting has a big, has a big play in it. And we, like I said, I run trail cameras all the way through, you know, up until March 1st, you know, right now. Right. Um, just so we know when exactly those deer shed, but you know, obviously south facing slopes, food to bed. If you can narrow down where they're bedding, you can, you can backtrack that to where they're, you know, where they're going to feed. Um, I think, I think bedding areas are huge. And like you said, those little buffer strips, like fence lines, stuff like that, where they can jump and knock their antlers off. Or, you know, maybe it's up the hill from a food source where they can lay down in the middle of the night for a couple hours and they're just hanging out um you know overlooking that food source in the middle of the night or whatever the you know whatever the situation may be um i've also found a ton of sheds you know on those little buffer strips like that little terraces stuff like that yeah and i don't know you know i don't know if that's just where they're laying in the middle of the night or if they're actually like walking through there going to and from bedding um you know that's that's stuff that drives me wild that makes me makes me tick yeah (laughs) One thing uh, you brought up a good point there, and that's thermal cover. Um, when I when I did go out in the uh, I don't know out and do my my main shed hunt that I've done this year already, I noticed that in almost every instant, every instance, there was exposed ground under a cedar tree or a pine tree, right? Mm-hmm. And that is where I found beds. And in the past, that is also where I found antlers. So, um, you know, there's something to say there about, and it really, it wasn't necessarily a slope. I mean, the, the sun could get in there. It was South facing the deer were, were bedding. All the beds were on the South part or South side of the actual tree that was in there. But, um, but it, it's crazy how they just congregate around those, uh, especially when it was really cold out these past couple um, weeks. Where, man, I wouldn't, I would not have wanted to be a deer, right? And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, you make a really good point there. Um, other than, uh, I guess, other than uh, uh, like cedar trees or south-facing slopes, is there any other type of thermal cover? I know a lot of guys focus on. Uh, CRP, uh, you know, CRP grasses that may not carry the snow or the snow may melt off faster than what would be in the timber. Have you, have you found a higher, I guess, ratio of sheds in those areas as well? For sure. I mean, I, I, for me, it's tough walking CRP just because I, I, it's just such a needle in a haystack and I can't find them. I don't see them that well, but I think there's there's definitely something to that. I think the amount of like you just said the snow in there, you know, some CRP may look good, but you know, you get a foot of snow in there and it, it's just kind of wide open and doesn't really provide any thermal comfort. So I think, you know, the the how good your CRP is definitely determines your deer bedding in there that time of the year. And you know, especially with the, with our <clears throat> this big cold front that we've had in this past couple weeks, you know, I, some of the CRP fields that I hunt during the season. I wouldn't even consider hunting or, you know, not necessarily shed hunting, but, you know, just going in there just because there's so much snow and it's, it's so wide open rather than just so thick, like you normally see it, you know, during the season. Yeah. So, you know, there's a a group of people out there and obviously there's naysayers about everything, but 
there's people out there that are just like, Hey man, don't go shed hunting. You got to give the deer a break because they've been pressured all this time. They're coming off a really bad winter. We don't want to bump deer. How often do you actually bump deer when you're shed hunting? Uh, again, it kind of depends on where you're at, but I, yeah. I like to say a fair amount of the time. Yeah. I mean, to some degree now, I don't think they're as spooky this time of the year as what they would be during season. And I don't know if they're just, if they just psychologically know that they're not getting hunted or if they, you know, it just seems like you can get away with a lot more this time of the year than you could during the season, um, for whatever reason. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm bumping deer quite a bit, but at the same time, we've just been running trail cameras. And, I mean, if you have the best food around, they're still, they're not going to go anywhere, you know what yeah. I mean? But yeah. Now they could go, you know, you could bump your, bump off the buck you're looking for and he could go shed on the neighbors. So <laughs> I try not to, I try not to get in there until right. they've shed, you know, once they shed, I don't really care. Cause I think, you know, it's such a long time frame from here until next season that I, I just don't think there's that much you're going to mess up, right. I guess, during shed season. Right. And maybe that's just me. I don't know how, how you feel or anybody else feels about that, but what do you think, think about you the additional stress on that? I mean, do you think that like, here, I'll just say this. I don't think shed hunting is a, a big stress, even on a rough winter like this. I don't think shed hunting is uh, as big of a stress on the herd as, I mean, you would really have to be out there a whole bunch of different times and really just be bumping these deer from bed to bed to bed to bed all day long to the point where they're going to fall over dead. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I definitely agree with that. Like, and normally, you know, you, you might make one pass and then make another pass another week if, if, if a deer's still holding or something, but like normally it's one or two passes per area, I would say is what I try to make. Um, you know, and then going back to the whole trail camera thing, knowing when they're shedding, yeah. um, it is plays key in everything that I do shed season wise, you know, cause I, I definitely wouldn't have been out in the middle of February finding half these sheds. Um, if I didn't have trail cameras, just because I would have probably just waited until the snow melted and everything, but I hate those dang squirrels, man. Oh they, yeah. They kill me. Right. Yeah. That's a fact, man. I am not a, I'm not a fan of, especially when there's a, I remember one year, uh, we were looking for this, this one particular buck. There's a group of us and, um, I, I couldn't hunt the farm, but I was out, uh, looking for shed hunting on this farm with a couple of the guys that could just, just for fun. And we, uh, we found the first one in like the first week of March. Right. And it's, it's like a beautiful one sixty class, uh, 10 pointer, you know, with some character on him. And, uh, or maybe he was, I think he was probably closer to one seventy. but anyway, we like, we couldn't find the, the next shed. So, so we're scouring it. We come back about five days later and we run the whole farm again. And finally someone found it and, uh, it was chewed like just all the way down. And it was it, like, I was, I got, I don't know why I couldn't even hunt this deer, but I was so pissed because it was <laughs> this beautiful antler that is now destroyed because squirrels exactly. or possums or whatever was chewing on it. Oh, it kills me, man. And I, and that's half the reason I went out. I mean, I would say out of the 50-something antlers that I've found on that farm so far, not one of them has been. Uh, I would say maybe one or two of them have, like, a little bit of chew marks, but nothing like, yeah. you know, chewing through the whole the whole antler, you know. So that's another, you know, thing that I try to do is get out there before those things get on them because I'm just like you. It just 
it's a piece of my heart that's gone. <laughs> if I walk up on a giant shed, and it's all chewed, chewed up. up right, right. And <laughs> you think about then. Then I start to think about crazy stuff like this. Like, imagine all the shed antlers that never get found. Right. Oh my gosh, I. I don't even like thinking about that. <laughs> right? <laughs> how many beds that I'm walking by, you know? Right. And I'm uh, sure I'm sure you've came across some of these sheds on uh, some of these farms that are so old, they're like green, right? They got all the, the mold oh, yeah. and, and fungus on them, and you pick them yep. up in the base. There's not much left to it except the, the pedicle. The pedicle's just like Coke can yep. size, and you're like, what could have this been, you know? Yep. Like, so. Yeah, dang it. <laughs> Yeah, it'll drive you nuts thinking about that stuff for sure. Right. Well, hey, man, um, thanks for this quick BS session. Really appreciate you, uh, Drake, hopping on uh, the podcast today. And uh, I will uh, good luck shed hunting the rest of the year and good luck this upcoming season. For sure. I appreciate it. Any time I can sit down and do a little BSing about deer, I'm all for it. So, like I said, I've got probably – until the 10 so i think every day outside of the deer classic coming up i'll be i'll be in the woods looking for them so I need to get it done before i switch to turkey mode so <laughs>